Hello, everyone, and welcome to the What's Up St. Charles podcast. I'm Nate. And I'm Nick. And we're going to have a fantastic episode, as today we're talking with Nick Smith, who is the owner of the Old Republic in Elgin and Alexander's here in St. Charles, as well as the director of Munger Road. So we're going to talk a little bit about Alexander's and get a little bit spooky here with Munger Road as you know we're in that Halloween time. So, Nick, welcome to the podcast. We're glad to have you. Nick and Nate, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Well, we're super excited to talk about Alexander's and Munger Road, um, but let's get to talking about you a little bit before we get into talking about that. So can you talk a little bit about yourself, You know, where you're from, how long you've been in the St. Charles area for, things like that? Yeah, I grew up in St. Charles, um, basically, uh, I'd say from the mid-80s. Uh, we've been in St. Charles uh, West. I went to uh, Wasco Elementary School, Thompson Middle School, and then uh, we were actually the first class to graduate from St. Charles North. So we were oh, part cool. of that class that um, spent our freshman year at East, or as it's called now, and then we were the upperclassmen all three years at North. So sophomore, junior, and senior, there was only a class below us. And um, I'm sure that was a wild experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, it was, um, you know, that was in, in high school um, was – very much prepared to go into a career that I wanted to design roller coasters, you know, and go to mechanical cool. structural engineering. <laughs> and uh, it was a dream of mine. I really love theme parks and, and roller coasters. And um, somebody had asked me to help with a video, uh, I think my sophomore year in high school. And, you know, from there, uh, I was all, I'm also a big uh, professional wrestling fan. Okay. And so <laughs> we would actually film our backyard wrestling and, and, and actually produce That's shows. That's cool. awesome. And at that time, you were actually editing with uh, what was called like the two VCR method. So you'd, you'd pop in a VHS of your master and your second VCR would be recording and you would actually be playing off VCR number one and recording on number two how you were cutting. So if you were cutting from the master, you'd pause it, you know, rewind or fast forward to wherever you needed the next scene to be. And that was how I got introduced to editing and movies actually was from professional wrestling. And, uh, thankfully, um, by the time computers have came around and whatnot, you could actually edit digitally. <laughs> a little bit different. Yep. <laughs> Similar to what I think will happen on this podcast. But yeah. you can imagine in the old days, you'd be you'd have a master tape of this conversation. Yeah. You'd have a, a blank tape, and you'd basically be playing the master recording and going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And that, that's how it used to be done. Oh, man. Well, I'm uh, glad I have audacity <laughs> for this because it, it makes it so much easier. I can't, I'm sure that was a very timely process. So. No. <laughs> yeah, so from there, I, I graduated from Columbia College in Chicago in the film program. I, I focus on directing. And uh, in 2008, moved to Los Angeles um, to pursue okay. uh, a career in filmmaking. And uh, <clears throat> very quickly realized when I got out there that um, you actually need to write something. You need to write uh, movie scripts and whatnot if you're going to produce something. Yeah. And I had never written anything. You know, even in college, we had a couple screenwriting courses, but there wasn't any really big substance to that. Even back then, I was using Microsoft Word. And if you've ever seen a screenplay, how it's it's formatted, it's, it's, it's got a very specific format to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the reason why that format exists in terms of dialogue and action and scenes is uh, when you turn in a script to a studio or a producer, they immediately just go to the back page and they look at the, the page count and say, okay, this is 92 pages. Well, it's going to be 92 minutes. So one page of a script generally equates to be one minute of screen time. So wow. they, the so reason they, why they adhere to that, that, that format is that they just get a general idea if they're looking at a 300-page you know, you know, minute movie and yeah. – 
uh, or if it's a standard 90 minute movie. So, okay. um, when I was out there, of course, um, that's what led me to start writing and then brought me back to St. Charles. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, what are some things that, you know, now that you're back in St. Charles that you like to do here now that you're back in the area? I live uh, in the Pottawatomie area, um, okay. and I very specifically wanted to move to that area because, like I mentioned earlier, growing up on the west side of town uh, was quite lovely. Um, but you're you're kind of when you're you're growing up and you don't have a car or a license or whatnot, you're kind of um, stuck with your your parents wherever they're going to drive you to. And I always got jealous of the kids <laughs> that lived in St. Charles in a downtown proper that they could walk to a park or they could walk to the, yeah. the candy store and whatnot. And uh, so it was just kind of a, a neat dream for me. It's like, you know, I'd like to, to be back in St. Charles and raise a family here. And really, uh, because of where we live in St. Charles, my favorite thing to do is be able to take advantage of, of, of walking, right. um, being a part of a, a really neat uh, neighborhood, which is the, the Pottawatomie area up there. Um, even the Scarecrow Festival earlier this month, you know, we just walked a block uh, west uh, down to the park and kind of made our entrance that way. It's kind of a unique perspective on the city, I think. Yeah. So um, restaurants are my thing. So uh, in terms of what I really like to do specifically is is uh, dine around town, um, in, enjoy what uh, what some of the restaurateurs in the area and the bar owners are doing that's new, exciting, um, everywhere from, you know, uh, Salerno's on the Fox, which is where I actually got my start in the restaurant business. Um, okay. Some people know, some people don't know that I spent... Uh, a considerable amount of time uh, working for Adam and Joe Salerno, and that's how I got introduced to the restaurant business. You know, yeah. all through all through high school, all through college, I wouldn't have known anything about the restaurant business. You know, had it not been for them, actually. So, okay, um, restaurants is something that I just I like being part of the restaurant scene and, and being a part of that around here. So, when you started off at Salerno's, like, what did they have you doing at first? What was the first, uh, I guess, introduction you had to restaurants? Was it serving, busing? Yeah, I was a server, okay. um, and at that <laughs> at that time, you know, the restaurant business has changed considerably, um, but. Uh, even as a high schooler, um, I had to have a friend that was working there actually help get me the job. I mean, okay. it was um, it was restaurant business was robust, um, and so getting even a serving job um, was actually quite difficult back in the day. If you could believe that, it wasn't like walk in, hey, you look like you shaved today. <laughs> um, you, uh, what are you doing at four o'clock yeah. today? <laughs> um, you know, it was it was different. I, mm-hmm. It took me a while to get my foot in the door, and from there, uh, I was able to learn everything from bartending, uh, yeah. managing, uh, dishwashing, pizza making, um, and uh, Adam and Joe were really just some great, you know, great people to also just understand what does it mean to be in business for yourself? You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a different vibe. It's a different feel. And I'm sure like the people that you've talked to on this podcast, um, they just have different, uh, perspectives. You know, Adam was, a somebody that came from a boat, you know, from Italy and, uh, got here with his brothers and that's a different perspective than, than somebody who was maybe born and raised here. Sure. So yeah. it was always interesting to hear his take on, uh, St. Charles and the restaurant scene and whatnot. So, um, I got, thankfully I got a little bit of everything from them and I'm always grateful to talk about my experience there. 
Yeah, yeah I also feel like, you know, working in a restaurant, you build so many skills that you can use on mm-hmm. later on, like whether it be right. customer service or even just, you time know, management. time management, keeping, you know, orders in your head. If you have time to go to the point of sale system or you have to take care of another table. So yep. it's just, it's because it's fast paced. So I think you, I mean, I, when I know when I worked in restaurants, I, that's where I built a lot of my skills. I'm sure you built a very, very necessary skill called conflict resolution quickly. <laughs> that too, yes. <laughs> and yes, uh, not, not to get off the rails you know, too much, but uh, that's why I love employing young people, um, both at Alexander's and the Old Republic, is in today's world, um, especially with restaurants, they have not experienced conflict. True. On a, you need to react on a dime. You know, Mm -hmm. in terms of maybe something's not going correctly or somebody is unhappy and whatnot. And really, the um, that experience is going to be invaluable. I know Bob Karras, who's uh, one of my mentors, has has also expressed that 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 ability to react and act um, accordingly is I don't, I don't think it exists in school. You know, I don't think that exists in friends, especially it doesn't exist behind a cell phone. You know, it doesn't exist, um, on social media. You know, you have time to be able to respond or not respond. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, even the pandemic aside, um, you know, it's been fascinating to watch, um, you know, young people have their first experience with something not going quite right. And uh, I think there'll be better people for it. I've always believed you are, I bet you're a better person that you worked in a restaurant. I mean, I firmly believe that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know it was actually my, I worked in a restaurant. It was my first job. And then I continued working on different restaurants and studied some hospitality in school. And along the way, like, I mean, I used to be, and I still am, you know, a little shy, but even just developing those customer service skills, being able to talk to uh, people, resolving conflicts. I mean, I can you know, a, a lot of that goes because I worked in restaurants, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So I'm going to bring us back a little bit as we're going to switch gears from talking about the restaurants to talking about some movies here. So, you know, I've, you know obviously we're going to talk about Munger Road. So I wanted to ask you, Nick, what are some of your favorite movies? And maybe if you have any favorite, like, scary movies. Yeah. Um, uh, my favorite movie uh, absolutely has to be Jaws. Um, okay. You know, Steven Spielberg's Jaws, 1975. Um, and I just, I, I, there's a, always a good crop of movies that I like, um, that are more director based in terms of whether it be Tim Burton, Steven Spielberg, Christopher Nolan, um, and kind of gravitating towards their styles of how they make movies. Um, David Fincher, you know, the person that made the, uh, the movie in St. Charles or filmed the movie in yeah, St. Charles last year. He's got just a great, I mean, just, I mean, some of the most rewatchable movies, you know, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, mm-hmm. Panic Room, Fight Club, um, Gone Girl. I mean, just, it's one thing that you make great movies, but could you rewatch them? I mean, I think that's a really good testament of a good movie. Right. So um, I'm a big stickler for the original Halloween. Um, you know, Munger Road is is kind of a swan, uh, kind of a, a a nod to both John Carpenter's Halloween and and Jaws actually. Okay. And sometimes people are like, well, what's Jaws? I'm like, well, what's the what's the conflict in Jaws? You know, if you guys think about it, what what is actually the problem going on in that movie? Uh, I guess fear of sharks. I guess like or humanity's fear of the unknown. But why is it a problem that there's a shark in the water? Because they think it'll eat them. Yes, but <laughs> the, the 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 conflict is that they cannot close the beaches. 
you know, the town that they're uh, in, they, you know, if, if a shark's in the water, great. There's sharks in the water everywhere, you know, it's, it's just not a new thing. But the real conflict in that movie actually stems from the fact that you, um, the town is reluctant to do anything about this shark because they need the tourism dollars. They need people to come to the okay. beaches and enjoy it. Wow. Have my mind just completely open to Jaws. I was yeah. like, Sharky and movie, and now I'm like, and I don't want to give away Whoa. any spoilers, but I can kind of connect yeah. the two with being, I won't say anything. No, I've seen the movie. You oh, can... with uh, the Scarecrow Festival. Right. Like, you know, you can't close it down because tourism right. and the tradition. Yes. Right. You have a you kind of have this impending conflict in the sense that this town is about to have yeah. a big festival. A lot of people are coming and whatnot. What is it that you can do about this this major you know problem that you might have in terms of kids either going missing or them getting hurt and whatnot? Yeah. So, yeah, um, that that's something that I really always felt very very strongly and in, in the underlying tones there. Um, but you know, I'd say if you're looking for a, a great list of of scary movies to watch, um, The Ring excellent i can't um, watch the ring the ring scares me too that one i saw that when i was a kid and i'm like it like it it still haunts me to this day i have nightmares still about every now and then where i'm like you know i turn on a movie and i'm like like ready to like run away from my tv you know <laughs> yeah i i remember actually vividly um we would have been in high school uh three people and myself three friends from high school walk into this movie we were like seven minutes late uh, for the movie actually starting, and you got to remember in context, nobody knew what the ring was. So we sit down, oh, and God. we're um, that's gotta be terrifying. We're, we're all watching the screen, <laughs> and it's the it's kind of the first scene in the movie. And the mom opens up the closet, and her we see a little shot of her daughter, you know, having that grotesque face because she she saw Samara or whatnot come out of the television. And I'll never forget that theater was such a great experience watching that with a packed house because. I mean, people were getting up and swearing, screaming. Uh, I mean, we, we had never really seen anything like that before. It was uh, This is not trying to date myself, but this is going back to when my cell phone was a Nokia brick. <laughs> yeah. And I was actually using the Nokia cell phone to block part of the screen because I was terrified <laughs> of what was going on. You know, there was no blanket for me. I was just using my Nokia phone. And, I mean, it was just a really powerful thing. And, and that's... What I like about scary movies the most is that of all the genres, I think that uh, horror and scary things really bring out all of the emotions for people as you watch a movie. And what right. I mean by that is that, you know, you can have comedy, you can have some romance, but you, the um, all those elements in a horror movie um, is really what gets your mind working. And I've always believed that your imagination is far a lot, far more scarier than anything that I could think up or, or dream up. So when you have like the Blair Witch Project or you have um, movies like Jaws as an example where I think 75 minutes of the movie, you're, you're, it's up to your imagination what's going on below the surface of that water. Mm-hmm. It's far more powerful than just, you know, seeing um, Freddie eat someone or something. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> That's not to say that Freddy Krueger is not scary. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he is very scary. So, um, so that'll we're going to uh, ask one more question here before we wrap up part one. So it's our silly question as we like to keep it light and fun heart, or lighthearted and fun on the podcast. So now if you had to describe your personality as a breakfast food, what would it be and why? 
<laughs> I know we just kind of had like this deep conversation about horror movies. Now I'm asking about your personality as a breakfast food. So I understand if you need a second to to, to juxtapose to that one or personality that one. as a breakfast food. Well, I know I'm not oatmeal. You know, I I do chide anybody at Alexander's when they order oatmeal. I I always I I kind of tease them and say, let me know when you're gonna actually order real food sometime this week. Um. I'd say uh, I would say a skillet. I think because um, you know skillets have multi layers to them, and a lot of the flavors you know won't necessarily hit you right off the bat. You got to kind of dig into it, and you know you also get to pick and choose whether or not um, you're going to have a bite filled with potato, the the toppings, the egg, uh, whatever the kutama is <laughs> on that particular skillet, and I think. Um, a lot of people, as they get to know me, you know, um, realize that, um, you know, I think uh, I'm very much just a, a plate of uh, eggs and whatnot <laughs> in the sense that um, you got to get me talking. And as soon as I'm talking and we're talking, you know, ideas and just riffing and whatnot, you know, I think that that's um, – I'm a very story-based person. You know, I just absolutely love a great story. I love good camaraderie. In Greek, the word is parea, and uh, what that means is you say, oh, I, you got you got good parea with you. That means you have good company. You have a good party with you. You've, okay. you've got you're, – you're having a good time. And um, I think that the success that I've had in life is just, be, you know, I think by fostering that parea in terms of – um, yeah, you could just eat the eggs off top, you know, or you can have a little bite of potato, but if you get all of it, you know, you can have a, a much different experience than if you were to eat all of the elements, you know, set separately. And I think that that's, I'm a very actually, uh, I know you maybe had mentioned that you were shy. I would say I'm a very just reserved, quiet person. You know, I, I like to just do a lot of thinking and deep thinking. Yeah. Um, but it isn't until you kind of get into it where you, that, that egg, you crack that egg yolk <laughs> and starts, you know, <laughs> liquefying all everything. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I guess that would be my answer. I'm a, I think I'm a skillet. Okay, perfect. Well, now I'm hungry for skillets. <laughs> you just talked about the egg potatoes. So uh, that was an awesome answer. Yes. So that'll wrap up our part one. We're going to go into part two where we talk about Alexander's and Munger Road more in detail. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Break Between the Podcast. It's Nate. We hope you can stick around for a little bit of our Break Between the Podcast as we'll talk about some upcoming events and things that you don't want to miss out on. So let's dive right into it. First up is Holiday Homecoming, which will be coming up on the Friday and Saturday after Thanksgiving. We would love for you to be able to come attend the Lighting of the Light Ceremony on Friday and then the Electric Christmas Parade on Saturday, as well as some other events that are going on that Saturday as well. If you are able to go check out our website, www.stcholidayhomecoming.com, you'll find all the information on the event and all the things that you can check out during the weekend. We are also looking for volunteers for the St. Charles Electric Christmas Parade on that Saturday. So if you're interested in being a part of a wonderful community event and being a parade marshal, we would really appreciate that as we are always looking for volunteers for the event. If you're looking to volunteer and want more information, 
Visit the website link www.stcholiday.homecoming.com to find all of your volunteer information for the parade. If you would like to stay up to date on a lot of the St. Charles events coming down the line, make sure to subscribe to our What's Up St. Charles newsletter or go download our Travel St. Charles app as both of those are great ways to stay in tune with all the events that are going on here in St. Charles. Also, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on our iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud as it is the best way to go and make sure that you have all the new episodes for our podcast as they come out. That will bring us to the end of our break between the podcasts. Let's get back into the episode to find out what's up, St. Charles. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to part two as we're going to dive deeper into uh, Alexander's and Munger Road. So, um, Al- or Nick, let's start with um, talking about what is the location and hours for Alexander's. Uh, Alexander's is on the west side of St. Charles, uh, right across from Rookies um, and right next to the BP gas station. Actually, you could say now it's across from the police station. Yep. <laughs> um, it's 1650 West Main Street. Uh, we're open every day at 7 a.m. And okay. uh we are open uh, for lunch all the way through 2.30. Okay, perfect. And, uh, you know, what kind of, would you say, sets Alexander's apart from other breakfast restaurants? I think our food, you know, really uh, an attention to detail. Um, we have a system in place where if you order an omelet today, you're actually going to get a very similar, if not the same, omelet next Tuesday. Okay. Um, that can go, You can say that about our skillets, our pancakes. We have a very standardized way of doing things in the sense that there's going to be consistency there. And that's something that the Karis Restaurant Group, um, which includes the Village Squire, Rookies, mm-hmm. Alexander's, and the Old Republic, we, we, we actually think is a, a, a big part of um, success in the sense that, you know, if McDonald's is really their success is the fact that you can go to the McDonald's here in St. Charles or you can go to the McDonald's in Biloxi, Mississippi, and the Big Mac is going to be fairly um, pretty much the same experience that you're used to. We yeah. believe in that very much. Um, yeah, you get that consistency, that kind of, you know, um, and that good flavor, of course, that you can always expect from when you order there. Yeah, and I, but I would say the biggest part of our success at Alexander's or any of these restaurants is um, is really the staff. I mean, yeah, you know, as I sit here with you, you know, talking right now, it's it's quite lovely to be able to do that. But I'm not behind a counter. You know, I'm not behind a cash register right now. I'm not tending bar. You know, I'm I have the ability to come and, and join you for a few minutes or whatnot, and. Uh, that that it can be attributed to our staff that that take ownership uh, in what they're doing just as much as I do, yeah. and I think that that is the the biggest critical component to Alexander's Cafe's success. Absolutely, and so you know, if someone hasn't tried you guys before and you know wants to go there, what would you recommend to kind of get that signature Alexander taste? I know we talked about the skillets, talked about some pancakes. You know, well, I think you it w- you would be you know. From sitting down, uh, I think you have two paths to go. Either you try this great coffee, uh, Intelligentsia, <laughs> um, or you try some of our fresh-squeezed orange juice, which we actually have a machine that, that uh, is actually from Germany. And oh, cool. it actually uh, – what's really kind of interesting is that the orange juice changes uh, throughout the season, uh, whether or not the oranges come from Florida or California. And some people have different preferences of, of what they actually like. In terms of juice there, um, our Oberweiss milk is also a good choice for chocolate milk and whatnot. So I think good. you have to set the you have to set the tone from what you're going to drink, you know, I think, <laughs> uh, you know, to start off there. And, um, you know, really um, 
the one dish that I would recommend that I, don't, I think sometimes people stay away from because they're not familiar with it is we make a fabulous chili quias, okay. um, which is a uh, a Mexican-style breakfast uh, with tortilla chips uh, and, to- and green tomatillo salsa. And, you know, it, it, it would be unfair to call it a breakfast nacho because it, it really <laughs> is not, you know, hard chips with uh, yeah. melted nacho cheese. But what I do like about it is that it's actually surprisingly light to eat, um, but filling. And I think that dishes like that, um, Biscuit Love is another really popular favorite um, that we've become known by in terms of, um, you know, offering uh, unique spins on on, on things uh, instead of just the traditional two eggs, bacon, hash browns, English muffin. Right. Absolutely. Which are good. Yes. yes. <laughs> if that's your fancy, please order it. Yeah. <laughs> so now that we're, you know, in the in the middle of fall, does Alexander's have any fall themed specials or any sort of fall themed <laughs> breakfast foods that um yeah, I think you guys have season. like pumpkin pancakes or something, right? We do have a really good recipe for pumpkin pancakes. It uh, comes with uh, our homemade cinnamon butter um, and uh, uh, comes with some nuts on top of it as well. Uh, we also have an apple cider donut French toast that we make um, with cool. a, a caramel and glaze on top of that, powdered sugar. I always laugh with some of this breakfast food because it's like – Okay, sugar, and then we're going to add more <laughs> sugar and then finish it with powdered sugar. And, you know, by the time it gets to you at your table, just so we're all on the same page, you're about to eat sugar. And um, we have uh, a really, really tasty skillet um, where we actually make it with bratwurst, um, Wisconsin bratwurst, uh, as the protein. And we just have fun with those type of things, whether it be apple cider, um, Girardelli, hot chocolate. Um, it's my favorite time of the year. I mean, as you you know, I've probably guessed, I'm a big scary movie guy. Munger Road is a you know holds a special place in my heart, and that was a fall production and a fall release. Yeah. So anytime we get to the fall, you know, my birthday is in October. Okay. It's just is a it's just a good time to, uh, yeah. To, yeah. to be around here. So well, all those dishes sound delicious. I know yeah. I'm hungry. So. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm like, gosh, I wish we could go take a quick uh, lunch break over yeah. to, <laughs> to Alexander. So, no, and speaking of fall, let's get to talking about Munger Road. So, Nick, why don't you go ahead and take that? Yeah, so first off, when was Munger Road released? Uh, it was released in theaters in 2011. So we, we were in production, meaning we shot the movie in 2010. And when making the movie, I guess, where did the idea, where did the inspiration come from behind it? Well, growing up in St. Charles, you know, really, uh, and I commuted to college. I actually still lived out here. I I talked about, you know, working at Salerno's. Uh, I I never stopped. I actually worked at Salerno's and went to college as well. There isn't a whole lot to do late night out here. And so uh, my friends and I would venture out to Munger Road, you know, the IHOP off Smith Road right there. Um, go and, and, and kind of hang out, have something mm-hmm. to eat, maybe have something to drink, and then venture out to Munger Road. And, um, you know, I always looked at it from a business sense. And the, and what I mean by that is, you know, when I was out in Los Angeles and, and it's like, okay, you got to write a screenplay. If you're going to produce this movie independently from a business standpoint, you want it to be successful. It kind of occurred to me that if you make a movie called Candlesticks in the Park, I think you're going to have two questions for me. The first question is going to be, well, what's it about? And the second question is going to be, well, and who's in it? And the genesis for Munger Road was, well, if you make a movie and you call it Munger Road, that 
uh, I don't think people necessarily cared about Jack Nicholson not being in your movie or Nicolas Cage. And hopefully, at least in the area, some people have a, a, a kind of a predetermined idea about the genre and what this movie might be about. Right. Mm-hmm. And we were proved right um, before things. I don't even think the word viral existed, but the, somehow the trailer of the movie got uh uh, on uh, onto the internet, onto their uh, Facebook in the early stages, and it just exploded. I mean, people were like, somebody made a movie about Munger Road, and it was yeah. filmed in St. Charles. And um, it, 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 when I say viral, I mean, I don't know if that word actually is powerful enough because – what ended up happening was we were we were always were going to release the movie at the Charlestown Theater here in St. Charles, yeah. uh, and we're, it was going to be exclusive for one week in St. Charles, and uh, they were going to show it uh, one screen at midnight uh, the Thursday before uh, the release on Friday, and we packed our car, drove out to the theater probably about a half an hour before the movie was supposed to start. The entire parking lot, not the movie theater, the entire mall lot was filled. And we we walked cool. in and, and Randy uh, Pollock, who's the general manager over there, yeah. explained that they had to open every screen because they all sold out wow. uh, for Holy that midnight show. Cow. That's so cool. What's really cool is by the time we got to Monday of that first weekend, the studios and, and people in, in back in Los Angeles and back in Hollywood, they look at the box office uh, grosses and, and whatnot for the weekend. And, of course, people always like big numbers. So they're looking at what the total gross is. Right. And, hey, uh, Avengers had uh, $350 million over the weekend and whatnot. But the number that is actually that they really care about is what's called a per-screen average, meaning – Okay, Avengers was on 4,000 screens. It did this much amount of money. How many did it average then for how many screens it was actually on? Right. Well, the Munger Road that weekend in St. Charles actually had the highest per screen average of any movie in the entire country by like a long shot. Cool. So on Monday, we got a lot of really interesting calls from Los Angeles, and they're all (laughs) like, what is Munger Road? They had never (laughs) even heard of it before. So... Uh, you know, from there, the next weekend was the Scarecrow Festival. And so we had all the actors uh, come out um, that were in the movie. And we actually had a booth right in front of the Municipal Center with a gigantic Jumbotron screen. And we were showing clips of the movie, how we made the movie. We had shirts for sale. And we also had cards say, hey, here's the movie times, the local theaters, if you want to go check out the movie and whatnot. And so we just, we actually ended up, uh, when it was all said and done, being one of the most successful independent movies ever, you know, released that year, actually in 2011. And that's a credit to the community. And, and, and I think a real credit to, um, I, I, I cannot tell you how many people uh, from, you know, today all the way to 2011 just loved the experience of watching mm-hmm. that movie, um, whether or not they were 70 years old or if they were 15 years old, it seemed like it brought people together. Yeah. And I had a business owner actually just recently as last night reach out to me about, uh, you know, Munger Road. Um, I'm not exaggerating. I get asked every week, you know, okay. uh, whether it be a question or, um, you know, kind of uh, an interview or something like that and whatnot. And so, not on a huge scale, um, but on a on a on a personal level, I, I get asked about it a lot. And and of course, when you emailed me about this podcast, you know it it really 
I, I think has proven, I think we're, you know, over 12 years or so yep. removed from it that we're still talking about it. It's still something fun for to, to be able to have a conversation about. That's kind of neat, yeah. I think. Yes. I mean, I definitely think it's a cultural phenomenon here in not even just St. Charles, but like the Tri-City area. Like, you know, I think everyone knows about Munger Road in the mm-hmm. movie. And Well, it's so cool, like, when you're watching, because I think even in the first few minutes, I mean, you see the municipal building, you see downtown. Mm-hmm. I think they're already eaten in Smitty's at the time. So just seeing that, like... As a move, I don't know. It's yeah. just really cool. Like, I, hey, I go down here all the time. Right. You know, it's it's neat to see your community on the big screen. Yeah. So, and can you tell us kind of, like, how it was working with some of the, the actors in the movie? I know you had some, you know, kind of big names in there, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, Bruce Davison, uh, he was nominated for an Academy Award. He... Um, he lost the year that Joe Pesci won for Goodfellas, actually. Okay. Um, fabulous, fabulous actor. And, you know, it, it goes without saying that, um, you know, the, the the 60 people or so that were on the production side of making this movie um, were people that I met at, at film school. You know, I was 27 at the time. So it's not – I would not take it as a criticism if somebody would say you were a glorified, you know, film, film school crew – you know, making a, a an actual feature-length movie. And so what I really enjoyed about all of the actors, uh, Randall Battenkoff, Trevor Morgan, who um, actually knew about Munger Road when the script got sent to him, um, was their willingness to, to kind of um, look at this project as a, a homegrown uh, effort and not something that, you know, I'll be in my trailer or... Um, just let me get out of here as fast as possible. Make sure you pay me. Um, they were just wonderful people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really enjoyed, um, working with everybody, um, from Halleck Beals, um, Lauren Storm. It was, it was a neat experience because I wasn't sure. I mean, if you're 27 and you never made a movie before, you know, how, how, how is that process going to look when you're talking to Bruce Davison, who's been doing this for longer than you've been alive Yeah, and, and could just point to a couple statues and be like, well, I think we should do it this way. You know, I wasn't sure how that was going to go, but I never, you know, I, I think movies are a, a collaboration anyway. I, I don't yeah. look at them as like, this my way or the highway. This is how it's going to be Bruce. You know, <laughs> so uh, really, um, it was a great collaboration. They were extremely helpful um, mm-hmm. in that in that sense, and they were big believers in in, uh, in, in my vision and um, what we wanted to do on screen. And I cannot say enough good things about um, all of them. Yeah, I remember one kind of cool story that I remember because I was looking through some of the news articles that came out was that. No, I think it was your mom or something that was feeding some of the, the actors like lunch or something like that, helping support that way. Like it was so cool to kind of read the ways that like a lot of people came together to make this project happen. Yeah. Um, so, of course, if you haven't seen the movie, the movie takes place over the course of one night. So we shot the movie at night. Yeah. Uh, we would get to set around six o'clock and we weren't having lunch until three in the morning. So it was a very weird schedule for us because okay. we couldn't make the movie at noon. It was right. daylight. <laughs> so really our day ended as soon as the sun came up enough where it was starting to affect what we were filming. And that was meaning the day was done. And my mom, uh, who is an absolute just great cook and she helps at the Old Republic every day. 
every night. Uh, and I learned a lot of things about food, you know, from her. Um, fed a crew of 65 to 80 Holy people cow. every day. But with the caveat that we were eating at like 3 in the morning, right? And she's not even a caterer. You know, they they have a couple ovens at their house, you know, and yeah. – she was uh, cooking ahead of time. I think she started a month or month and a half uh, before we actually started shooting, and she was then freeze uh, what she what she had made, and then reheating. You know, for those days because she wouldn't you know be able to keep up with how many lunches we had. She really did um, just about every lunch. Salernos uh, did uh, lunches for us. Uh, we got food from a number of different places and whatnot. It's funny you mentioned that too. I still keep in contact with the people that volunteer their time to run craft services. Um, And they were just, they just wanted to be there. There was people that actually stood with us all night to stand by the coffee maker to make sure the coffee was hot because they just wanted to be a part of it. That's so cool. You know, and we still keep in contact. Yeah. you know, that, that to me is, is why I, I look back with such a fondness of, of that experience because I got to meet uh, Mayor DeWitt. I got to meet the city council, and I got to know that process a little bit about how the city government works because mm-hmm. we were doing some pretty extraordinary things. We were shutting down North Avenue uh, at night. We were shutting down Munger Road because we shot out there. And um, I also, I think, you know, for us to kind of come out of that shoot – uh, which was 16 nights. Um, and I will tell you that it's really hard to shoot a movie in 16 nights. I mean, that's not a lot of time at all. Yeah. Uh, for it to come out to be this positive experience for the community and for people to, to really enjoy it, um, you know, is, is a blessing because a lot of times with filmmakers and their movies, um, they're not able to um, get it out there for people to be able to enjoy as much. And, um, you know, that wasn't the case here with Munger Road. And um, I think that it's, again, the long-winded answer to your question is just such a fond- fondness with, yeah. with that whole time period of my life. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything in the movies, but did you ever go and try the, the, the uh, experiment yourself? We did, actually. Okay. Um, and I, I, I have to preface that I, I don't recommend trying the actual urban legend. It is very dangerous because <laughs> yes. Munger Road is very dark. It is very much out in the middle of nowhere. And so to turn your car off and park on train tracks yeah, is somewhat dangerous. If a car is coming down the road at very fast speeds, you might have a, a little bit of an issue. But we did, we did do it. Uh, we've tried it many times. And uh, truth be told, we filmed on the actual Munger Road um, for three nights. And each night, now remember, this is a big crew, lights, a lot of people. Um, Each subsequent night, something weirder happened out there. And it wasn't until the third night that Trevor Morgan, the actor, he was, uh, we were getting ready to shoot a, a shot in the woods. He had a lavalier mic on. And we're all wearing headsets so we could actually hear what the, what we're oh, picking up no. and whatnot. And you got to remember this is 3 in the morning. Yeah. There's nothing out there. Yep. And uh, his mic started picking up. It was like a baby crying. 
Oh, it just gave me shivers. And we all just kind of looked at each other and was like, we need to get out of here. <laughs> we, we, we need to move on from Munger Road. And uh, it was it was a – One take, one take, that's all we're getting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was a really cool wow. – it was a really cool atmosphere to oh, be out there for sure. It's like, it's a scary road. I mean, whether or not – what time – it doesn't matter the time of night or anything. And yeah. even if you take away the um, – you know the, the the scary story behind it. It's kind of just it's a long, it's a spooky road. Yeah. So I, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. woo. So well, we got one more question. So you know, on the on the Munger Road itself. So is there any sequel that is going to be on the horizon for the movie? Well, you know, the first movie, uh, you know, not wanting to spoil it or whatnot, but it ends on a, a cliffhanger, you know, and it might have three words attached to it uh, as you, you know, see the final frame of it. Um, and uh, it was always the intention to uh, tell the story in two parts. You know, you have Munger Road and you have Munger Road Part 2. And I was all set to go back to Los Angeles after making the movie, but I ran into a problem. Uh, I smell. I, I actually fell in love. <laughs> and so I ended up staying out here and I tried to make it work, you know, filmmaking career from Chicago and, um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I, I, I look back at it now and realize that that was a mistake, that if I really did want to continue with the filmmaking, I should have went back and whatnot. But I, I got snagged by love and, and stayed here, you know, where I grew up and, um, you know, I don't regret that necessarily. Um, but what happens, and this happens to a lot of people, is you get busy, you know, and yep. life happens. I, we've got three kids. I have three daughters now. Um, you know, Alexander's is the result of, uh, at some point in this uh, relationship with my wife, uh, her her dad had asked about joining the family business, which was the restaurant business. Yeah. And uh, so 2016, we opened Alexander's. And two years later, in 2018, we opened up the Old Republic. And um, and then, like, you know, the pandemic, of course, started in 2020. And, right. you know, here we are in 2023. And I think it seems like we're kind of on the tail end of at least having some of the struggles that existed during the pandemic. You know, I was saying the world is back to what it was. But... You know, we're not necessarily learning new information every week about what guidelines are. Right. Um, uh, supply issues aren't, you know, quite mm-hmm. as severe as they were and whatnot. But, um, you know, that being said, um, you know, I've, I've, Munger Road Part 2 has always been something that I've wanted to do. And I really have just been just too busy. Yeah. Um, you know, it just happens. Like I'm too busy. I can't take the time away to, you know, produce a movie, release and whatnot. Um, and that has been the case uh, for, you know, the last 10 years or so um, until now. You want to hold that up for the camera over there for everyone to see? So awesome. Woohoo! Coming soon. So this is or work in progress, I should say. Well, it's 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 definitely uh, something I'm excited about. I'm excited to to talk about it here for the first time. That you know, the sequel, The Munger Road, is a fun movie. I mean, it's a really really fun movie, and okay. we're looking forward to producing it here in St. Charles. And uh, it will be really neat and exciting, actually, to engage with other businesses in terms of uh, food um, locations. Um, and I think it will be really interesting for us because now that we have done it, we it won't be the same conversation like, hi, Mr. Smith, 
uh, we'd like to shoot in your cafe, and this is why we're going to shoot in it. Now I can, you know, at least he knows us, and yeah. <laughs> um, he's seen the movie, and 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 I know. Um, I think he's got the poster still on his back wall. I think he really enjoyed being a part of that movie. Yeah. So I think that that is is going to be a different experience um, in terms of actually producing the movie, filming the movie here around St. Charles and whatnot. Um, but the, the screenplay is just an absolutely fabulous story. It's always been this kind of two part, you know, narrative in my, in my head. And, um, gosh, I, I, am actually just getting, I'm just getting really excited just talking about it. Um, so that what's on the page is, is a crowded movie theater, you know, around us and people really getting into it, maybe rewatching the first movie. So absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, if people want to learn more about that or, you know, Alexander's, you know, anything that you guys got going on, where are the best ways? Let's drop those social media links. Yeah, we're pretty active on Facebook, um, and we we like to update, um, you know, what's going on with the restaurant scene. And uh, as more information comes out about the the movie, um, uh, we'll obviously use social media as a platform there and whatnot. We've got some pretty fun stuff cooked up, I think, uh, in terms of – getting people excited about the sequel uh, and Munger Road Part 2. And um, I I just know for a lot of people in the area, they're going to be very, I think, relieved and happy to see the story conclude, you know, that there's there's some closure going to happen in their lives, I think. Absolutely. Well, awesome job, Nick. That'll bring us to our last question here. Is there anything else that you'd like to say to the St. Charles community before we wrap up here? No, I think uh, it's 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 a blessing that I I, I probably will never um, be able to fully understand or appreciate um, how much uh, being a resident and a business person in the area um, is worth, and I, I it's such a just a gratitude um, to be able to uh, live here and work here, raise a family here, and uh, I know it's Homer. You know, is I think the term to get really excited about where you live and where you grew up, Um, but it has doesn't necessarily have to do with one thing or two things or a river. Um, It really just has to do with a a culture uh, and people, and uh, whether or not you you live you've moved far away or um, you're abroad somewhere or whatnot. It is remarkable that when you say you're from St. Charles. How many people, you know, will just kind of like perk up and say, you know, just, oh, yeah, I love St. Charles. You know, I visited there, I drove through or whatnot, that they've heard of it. Uh, I mean, we are a community that's pretty much off the highway, both major highways from Chicago. Not the easiest place to get to. There's no train station here. And so um, I think it's, uh, it's, it is really neat to be able to say, oh, yeah, I'm from St. Charles, you know, and, and yeah. that actually means something to somebody like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, that will wrap up our podcast here. Thank you again, Nick, for coming yes, on the podcast. You. And you know, you heard it live here, everyone. Munger Road Part 2 coming uh, soon, so keep your eyes out for that. Um, but otherwise, we'll have more episodes coming down the road. So until then, everyone, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you all next time. Mm-hmm.